right, I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. I'm going to ask that you stand as I read it. Keep your eyes on God's word. And if you're at home, go ahead and stand to where you're at and follow along as I read God's word from Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 19, the Apostle Paul writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Lord Jesus, may you cause this word to come alive to us today. In your name we pray, amen. Well, as we look at this passage this morning, kind of the big idea, what I want to pull out of this passage when I think God is communicating to us through the through the Apostle Paul here, is that the church is a diverse and interconnected family who sees, serves, and sends. The church is a diverse and interconnected family who sees, who serves, and who sends. And so as we walk through this passage, that's what we're going to see this morning. To start, let's, let's be reminded of what I mean by the church is a diverse and interconnected family. A couple of months ago when we launched the book of Philippians, we looked at Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is the beginning of the church in Philippi. And, and I'm not going to go back there and retrace the steps there, but I want you to note, if, if you're curious about the makeup of this church in Philippi, look at Acts chapter 16 and you're going to see a diverse group of people. We see a, a Jewish religious leader, Paul. We, say, we see Timothy, a biracial a biracial church leader. He's, his mom is a, a Jew and his dad is a Gentile. We say Lydia, a rich seller of purple. We see, we see a Roman jailer who worked for the Roman National Guard, essentially. We see a, a, um, a slave girl who had been trafficked, who had been imprisoned, who had been taken advantage of. This is the makeup of this church here in the city of Philippi. And so the church is, by nature, and as long as we can trace it through the New Testament, it's made up of this diverse group of people. Let's let that be a reminder to us, many of us who, who grew up in America, who grew up in primarily, predominantly white churches, and sometimes our worldview is that, that kind of Americans started Christianity, Right? Nobody knows that, but that's what many people think. And we need to be reminded that, that we are recipients of this message. We are recipients of this book from the Middle East, from North Africa. And the church, by nature, is a diverse group of people. When we gather here as a local church, we actually join this fellowship of the unashamed around the world. Different tribes, different cultures, different languages, different skin colors, 
worshiping the same God. And praise God in his grace, he's brought some diversity to our local fellowship here. And we need to keep in mind as we engage the world that the church is this unique institution, this unique family that God has developed as this incredibly diverse place. And it's, an, it's a family, it's not an organization. Now, we have some organizational documents, right? And we do some organizing as a family, just like a, a, a family ought to make some organization, some plans. When are we going to go on vacation? What is our budget? When are we going to eat dinner? Some of those type of rhythms that a family, which is, which is organic, also has to organize. The church is the same way. We are a diverse, organic family that God builds, that God grows, that is centered on Jesus Christ. And we do some organizing, we do some planning, we do some structuring, but we must remember that our primary identity is as a family. And we're going to see that here in Philippians. And and just to, to remind you, even before we dive into 19 through 30, that's the entire context of this book. That Paul is writing this letter to a church which he helped to start, which is made up of a diverse group of people, and they see themselves as family. And so with that, let's dive into what, what I mean by it's an interconnected family who sees, serves, and sends. And so the first point here, the church is an interconnected family who sees. The church is a family in which the members see and are seen. This is incredibly important for us to keep in mind because in, in our culture, and pre-COVID especially, many people would attend church. And they would go to a church service, to a Sunday morning worship event, and they weren't really known. This, this is less true at our church because we're a smaller church, but, it, but it's also true in every church that some people slip in and slip out, and some people want to slip in and slip out, and that may be right and okay for a season of time, but the makeup of the church, the, the true essence of the church of Jesus Christ is that we are a family of people where the members, those who belong, those, those who want to commit to the church, they're seen and they see. And that's inherent in this text. It's really inherent in this book. And I kind of picked it up by verse 28. So the context here of this passage is Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi. He's in jail in Rome at the moment. So again, submit to your governing authorities. He was imprisoned improperly for preaching the gospel. And he didn't start a revolt or rebellion against the authorities. He went to prison He stayed in prison, and he wrote letters to edify and build up the church. And so that's what the, the book of Philippians is. And in this letter, he's, he's, he's getting into this kind of personal space. Verses 19 through 30, they're not going to end up on a coffee mug. They're not going to end up on a t-shirt. They're not going to be verses that people tweet out. Philippians has a lot of that type of messaging, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Consider others more significant than yourself. Philippians has some of these epic verses that those of us who have been around the church have heard growing up. Verses 19 through 30 doesn't include that. It's the travelogue. It's, it's Paul just kind of taking a moment in the middle of this letter explaining to the church what's going on and, and just kind of his hope, his heart, his love for the church. And he's saying, I want to send you Timothy and I want to send you Epaphroditus and when I, I get out of jail, I want to come and see you again. 
I know you, I love you, I care for you, and when I'm out of prison, I want to travel to Philippi and I want to spend time with you again. Look at verse 28. He says, I am the more eager to send him, he's talking about Epaphroditus here, therefore that you may rejoice in seeing him again. And, I be, and that I may be less anxious. See, there's this reality within the church that we're known, that we're seen. If you want to genuinely follow Christ and, and, and make your faith your own and not just attend a church service, but actually grow as a Christian, you need other people to see you. You need to be seen, you need to be known, and you need to see other people. You need to see them. You need to know them. Paul is, in, in this entire passage here, 19 through 30, he's talking about these close, intimate relationships where people are seen. There's this physical presence. The leaders of the church, Paul, Timothy, Epaphroditus, they're visible to the members of the church. They're, they're present. They're accessible. There's these physical relationships happening. And this is kind of hard for us to do right now, right? With COVID, it's been, this is our third week of regathering after four months of being virtual. And so we need, we need to kind of reframe and rethink about the church. Is the church a Sunday morning event? Well, the Sunday morning event is one aspect of the church, but the church is this interconnected family that, that sees one another and knows one another. That's what Paul's at here, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth. Timothy's known. They understand the character of this church leader, and this church leader understands the character of the church in Philippi. There's this intimate relationship where they see one another, where they know one another, where they do life together. It's not just a platformed pastor who's giving instruction and then peeling away. It's life-on-life -life interaction. It says, verse 23, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So there's this physical presence. The church is a family in which the members see and are seen. They, they see one another. They know one another. There's both this physical presence, this visibility, this accessibility to one another's life. But they also, it's not just physical, it's also personal. It's emotional. It's getting vulnerable with one another. In our culture, oftentimes, again, people want to attend the Sunday morning service and they want to kind of guard themselves from being too vulnerable, too connected, too, too emotional. They want to kind of keep people out of the dark, dirty sides of their life. But the church, by essence, is this interconnected family where people see you at your worst and people see you at your best. And that, that's not necessarily going to be everyone. As your pastor, I don't necessarily want the entire church to see me at my worst and my best. I want to be physically present. I want to be visible. I want to be accessible. And I want to be emotional and vulnerable with a few. And that's true for all of us, that we ought to be emotional, vulnerable, and open to a few. Paul, the apostle who wrote this, had that. Look at how he talks about Timothy. In verse 22, he says, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. Was Paul Timothy's physical earthly father? No, he was not. Timothy was not Paul's blood son. 
He wasn't his fleshly son. He was a spiritual son. And so what Paul is getting at here, even this language that he uses, this family type of language, he's saying, we love each other. We know one another. I've helped raise this young man up to do ministry, to love others. And I want to send him to you because he will be a blessing to you. There's this deep, intimate relationship where, where they've seen each other, where they know one another. Paul wants to send Timothy to the church in Philippi because he knows the church in Philippi and he knows Timothy and he thinks these two are going to bless each other. Timothy is going to help bless this church and this church is going to love Timothy and I, and I trust this relationship and I intimately know both parties and I want them to be together. And then Epaphroditus, same thing. He wants to send Epaphroditus, verse 25. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. Again, Epaphroditus is not Paul's blood brother. He's his spiritual brother. Because they've seen each other, they know each other deeply and intimately. They've been doing life together. So Paul can say, this man is my brother. That's why at Park Community Church, we talk so often about our, our identities, that we are sons and daughters of God. We are brothers and sisters of one another. We don't just coexist for an hour on a Sunday morning to attend a worship service and praise the Lord. We've been building these relationships for longer. So when something like COVID hits and you have to take four months off of the Sunday morning event, hopefully, Lord willing, you have deep, interconnected, family-like relationships with the church. And if you're new and checking out Park Community Church or if you're checking us out online for one of the first times, this is the goal. This is what we want. We don't want you to feel bad for not being connected. We want to invite you into this interconnected family so that you can be seen, so that you can be known, and so that you can see others who desperately need to be seen, who desperately need to be known. Our world is at an all-time high for loneliness. People feel disconnected. They feel unknown. And the church exists to see people, to know people. And so my application question for us this morning is, who are you face-to-face with? with her mask on. But who are you face-to-face with? Who are you doing relationships with? Who do you see? And who are you allowing to see you? If you can answer that question, if you can say, I, I see these five people, or I feel, I feel felt seen by these five people, why don't you do them a favor and reach out to them today and say, thank you for seeing me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for being like a brother or a sister to me. Reach out to those who you know see you and care for you. And then if you're listening to this message today and you don't feel seen, you don't feel known, ask yourself, what what could you do to position yourself and posture yourself to get into some relationships where you can be seen, where you can be known? And it may start by you taking the initiative to see others, to get to know others, to seek out others in personal relationship. We see this is a characteristic of the church. The church is a diverse and interconnected family of people who see. Welcome to the family. Get to know some of the brothers and the sisters. Secondly, the church is an interconnected family that serves. The church is a family in which the members are in the trenches serving together. So Paul uses this familial language. He, he, he communicates this idea that the church is this family where people are seen and where people see one another. But he also uses this language of, of serving together. 
Look at verse 22 again. He says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, okay, there's that family relationship, there's that intimate seeing one another relationship, that interconnected reality, father, son, brother with Epaphroditus, there's this intimate personal relationship. But then also he says, how as a son with a father, he has served me with the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust that the Lord, that I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come to you. Timothy, this, this son of mine, this person who I love, he's also served alongside me and he's served me with the gospel. I love that phrase. Paul's saying, Timothy has served me with the gospel. His, his son in the faith, his spiritual protege who he's mentored, who he's helped to grow up in the faith, he's saying, Timothy has served me with the gospel. That means he's carried on the ministry He's communicated the gospel to the people that I love and that I care and that I know. That's why I want to send him to you in Philippi so that he can continue the work. But he's also served Paul with the gospel. So the son, the, the mentee, has told the mentor, he has reminded the mentor of the gospel. Surely, Paul means that Timothy has reminded me of the gospel when I've been tempted, when I've wanted to go astray, that this interconnected relationship that we're serving together, we're planting churches together, we're doing ministry together, we're living as missionaries together in those trenches. Timothy has had to remind me, his mentor, of the gospel. He's served me with the good news. He's reminded me that I'm not justified by my church planting endeavors, but I'm justified because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for me. And so the church family are, are members who are in the trenches serving together. Look at verse 25 again. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. There's that family relationship. Again, face to face, this seen and being seen relationship. But then he goes on to talk about service. He says, my brother and my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. See, see those working relationships? That's this interesting thing with the church where, where we have these kind of this dual relationship of family members, brothers and sisters, but also coworkers. We have a job to do. We have a gospel to proclaim. We have a glorious risen King Jesus to proclaim to the world and to serve the needs of the hurting and broken world around us. And so we serve together. The church is this family that loves one another. We care for one another. We turn inward and we see one another face to face. But then we also turn outward and we serve one another shoulder to shoulder. Like Paul says about Epaphroditus, he's my fellow soldier. He's my fellow co-worker. He's a messenger and a minister to my need. The church isn't just self-serving. We're not just face-to-face -face as brothers and sisters, but we're all, we also turn outward and say, what are the needs around us? What are the needs of our community? How do we serve them together? How do we, as loving brothers and sisters, how do we go out into the world side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and work as fellow co-workers, fellow soldiers in the gospel, and so my application question for us to consider this morning is, who are you shoulder to shoulder with? Hopefully it's some of the same people that you're face to face with. If you're not in a community group, I encourage you to reach out and get involved in a community group because in those smaller groups, you start to develop these face to face relationships. 
And then in that, as that develops, you can, you can turn, you can serve outward, you can look at the... I, I hear stories almost weekly about different community groups serving different areas of needs in our city. And praise the Lord for that. This is part of what it means to be the church. We're a family where the members are in the trenches serving together. Not self-serving, others serving. And we all know that there's times in our life where we need someone to serve us, right? That's why the church is so unique and so helpful for our, for our souls and for our lives. That if you're known and seen, somebody can say, hey, you need to take a break. You seem burnt out. You seem worn out. My, my brother, my sister, I love you. And at the pace that you're going, you're going to burn out. Take a vacation. Take a week off. Let me watch your kids so you can get away. And then also, if there's too much of that, right? Like, hey, brother, sister, you're gone every single weekend. It seems like you're self-serving. How about we get in the trenches together? How, how about we serve others who are in need? What are the needs in our community? What are the needs in our city? Let's pour ourselves out to meet those needs. The church has this dual purpose of loving one another in these face-to-face relationships and then turning out, serving one another shoulder to shoulder, serving others shoulder to shoulder. And then thirdly, the church sends. And the church is a family in which the members willingly, joyfully, and regularly say goodbye. And here's what I mean by that. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30, we see that Paul wants to send. He wants to send Timothy from the jail cell with him in Rome to Philippi to minister to the Philippians. He wants to send Epaphroditus with the letter to the Philippians to encourage the Philippians. His, his spiritual son and his spiritual brother, he's willing to give them up for the good of another church. And, and Paul's intent here is that he wants to come to Philippi again and visit them. And so he's not ripping the band-aid and ripping his relationships apart and saying, we're never going to see one another again. But the church is this, it, that's what I mean by interconnected. It's this interconnected family who's willing and ready to send and joyful in their sending. Paul's not saying, I can't do life without Timothy. I can't do life without Epaphroditus. These are my guys, and I need them, and I, and I will suffer and wither and die without them. He's saying, I, I will send them. These are my guys. They see me. They know me. I see them. I know them. We've been serving together in the trenches. They are my fellow coworkers. They are my, my fellow ministers in the gospel. But for your good, for your benefit, I will send them to you. And so we need to keep in mind that the church is this interconnected family which is willing and joyful and regularly saying goodbye to some of its best leaders and members. Like when Dave and Patsy, well, Dave left from this church, and what year was it, Dave? 1981. Dave was sent to Africa as a missionary and met Patsy there, right? And they've been sharing the gospel laboring for the gospel in Africa since 1981. Well, Dave has. Patsy, you were there before 1981. And I don't know the state of this church in 1981 or, or, you know, Dave's dad was a pastor here for many years, but how, how many people thought, we'd love to keep Dave around. What if he could help us? 
And this is the temptation that we have in the church sometimes to raise up leaders and to use leaders to serve our own agendas and our own needs. Think about even the last couple of years here at Park Community Church, we believe in sending, and sending is so hard. So I said willingly, joyfully, and regularly saying goodbye because it's hard. We need to keep in mind that God has called us to make disciples, to multiply disciples. That's what Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus are doing. They're not trying to build one little church. One, they're not trying to take one little church in Philippi and make it big and large so that they feel good about their leadership skills, their leadership abilities, this big thing that they've built. They're training leaders. They're making disciples who would go out and make more disciples. And so even in the last couple of years in our, in our own church and just in my own experience, a few years ago in my community group, we had these, these great couples, Ross and Jen Eggers, Eric and Emily Hedstrom, and Barb and Horst Link. They were in our community group, and, and we loved our community group, and we were just starting to build some traction but then we, we believe that the church is called to multiply. And so Ross and Jen Eggers went out and started a new community group and took the Eggers and the Links with them. And that was hard. We loved those three families and we wanted to do life. We saw one another. We knew one another. We were serving shoulder to shoulder. But we, we knew that we're also called to send out. And so Ross and Jen Eggers were sent out. And then a couple months later, Eric and Emily Hedstrom were sent out of their group. And so now today, there's three community groups meeting rather than one. Praise the Lord for that. But it's hard. A couple years ago, we sent Matt Fry out to Elmwood to help revitalize and restart the church. Matt was a community group leader here at Park Community Church. He was a Sunday school teacher doing an awesome job teaching Sunday school. He was a pastoral intern I love Matt, and I would have loved to keep him around. All of us would have. But we know that the church is this interconnected family that sends, and so we sent him to where he was needed, and we keep relationship. He comes back and he preaches here. We're interconnected, but the point is that the church is called to send. The Revises, they shared a couple weeks ago, they're serving over in West Africa. Right now they're here because of the coronavirus, just like the Alphers, but Christina was on staff here for two years. And she felt called to go into missions full-time, and so as a church we had to open up our hands and send. Linnea Ness, she was a key member of our worship team, played the piano and sang, and was a key member of our church, and she felt called to move to Guatemala to make disciples, and so... We sent her, Kurt and Ashley Orff. We just sent, they're, they're leaving for Sylvania in a couple months. Key members of our church, key members of the Headstrom's community group, key members of our worship team. They were just starting to get involved more in leading on the worship team, and they felt called to go into missions. And so we send. So keep in mind, church family, that this is the characteristic of the church. We're this interconnected family. And if you're going to belong to this interconnected family, the deeper into this interconnected family that you're going to get, the expectation for you is that you would be seen and that you would see others, that you would have some face-to-face -face relationships. And that's the expectation for you because it's what's happening here in Scripture and it's what your soul needs. The expectation is that you would then serve others shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with other believers, that you would be neighbors and witnesses going out into the world and the expectation is that we would be willing and ready to send. And so the application question for this point is, who are you raising up and sending out? 
This is actually a call to all believers. It's not just the pastor's job or the elder's job or the community group leader's job to find leaders to train them and to send them. It's the entire church family's job to pour into one another, to share the gospel with one another, the same way that Timothy shared and served the gospel to Paul. Can you imagine, like, calling your mentor out? Like, hey, actually, you need to remember the gospel, Paul. He wrote, like, two-thirds of the New Testament. And yet, in this interconnected family relationship, his son in the faith, Timothy, had to remind him of the gospel. Timothy had to serve Paul with the gospel. And so the question for us to consider this morning is, who are you raising up and sending out? And maybe your answer to that right now is no one. I would ask you to think, who could I be raising up? Who has God put in my life? Maybe it's your kids. Parents, start there. I want to raise up my kids and send them out to college as missionaries for Jesus. Maybe it's, maybe it's, your, maybe it's your coworker. Maybe it's your roommate. The question remains for us, ask it. Who are you raising up? And if no one, who could I be raising up that God would use them to go and bless the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And as we consider this last point of being people who send joyfully, willingly, and regularly, who say goodbye as people go off into other avenues of ministry, let's remember Jesus who was sent for us. John 3, 16 and 17. This is a familiar passage. Don't tune it out. Listen to it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We send, we raise up and send others out because we have a God who sent his son to live among us, to walk among us, to live a perfect life that we're incapable of living, to die a sacrificial death that we deserved. And he came, he was sent not to condemn us, but to save us. And so this morning, let's take communion together, remembering Jesus, the one who was sent for us.